Take five. The people you love play five songs they love and tell you why. In the early noughties, the streets burst onto the scene. Original pirate material was like nothing else around, combining garage beats with everyday stories from a geezer we could all relate to. Original pirate material, you're listening to the streets. Lock down your area, make yourself at home. We got diesel or some of that homegrown. Sit back in your throne, turn off your phone, because this is our zone. Mike Skinner was at the centre, and he also literally wanted to push things forward, taking garage music in a new direction and talking about what was really going on inside the hearts and minds of people in the clubs. It struck a chord, and the streets got a lot of attention. Over five albums, Mike would tour Australia a whole lot, always playing festivals, always drawing a huge crowd. Then in 2011, he called it a day, releasing his final album and doing his final shows as The Streets. Fall down five times, rise up six, give the good news by way of this. The mind plays tricks on the fighter who wishes kindness is right and both sides win. Music stayed in his life, producing, directing and most notably DJing, going back to his first love, behind the decks instead of out front on stage. In the past year, the streets have risen again. New songs, new shows, and a return to the festival stage at Glastonbury and here in Australia. That's how I nabbed him to take five, when Mike returned to his second home to play Splendour in the Grass. When it was announced he was coming out, it was the act everyone was the most excited to see. I remember on the morning of the Splendour lineup announcement, even Kevin Parker of Tame Impala was most pumped to see the streets back on stage. I gave Mike the theme, Then and Now, a bookended catch-up through the early days of the streets and what's spurring him on today at a very different chapter in Mike Skinner's life. I've been DJing uh, and like producing and doing um, directing as well. So I think I'm like more of like a normal person, to be honest. I, th- I think when I stopped doing the streets, I was like, um, I'd been, I was young and I was, you know, I was just a, a bit more um, isolated, mm. you know. But but I'm I'm a lot more um, normal, I think. More grounded. Yeah, grounded is probably a polite way of saying it without <laughs> without swearing. <laughs> See, I reckon you're about an eight or a nine, maybe even nine and a half in four beers time. That blue top, sharp top you've got on is nice. Bit too much fake tan, no, but yeah, you score high. A little bit told me that you had kind of a local connection in the very early days of the streets when you were. Thinking about making music in the kind of late 90s, was there some sort of connection to a Sydney youth hostel? Yeah, it was just just before the streets, like um, Stay Positive on the first album that I made. That I wrote that in, um, in Sydney. Stop dreaming. People who say that are blaspheming. They're doing nine to five and moaning. And they don't want you succeeding when they've blown it. Your idols, who are they? They too dreamt about their day. Positive steps will see your goals. Whether it's dollars or control, feel the gold. I ain't helping you climb the ladder. I'm busy climbing mine. That's how it's been since the dawn of time. I had a girlfriend who went to Australia travelling. I got one of the I got the visa and I flew out to um, Cairns and then ended up going to Sydney on my way home and stay ended up staying there for a year. Wow. So yeah, no, I um that was really what sort of um it shaped me in, in a lot of ways, you know, because I never went to university. That was kind of like my university really. Oi, you need to hold it down, Jack. Put your phone back. Quit staring into space and eat your snack. That's that. 
What did you see of the Australian music scene that that filled your sounds? Like, were you listening to stuff? Yeah, I mean, back back then it was it was like hilltop hoods, wasn't it? Hip hop taste buds. I wanna hear that bass when I make love. Wanna hear some lyrics when I wake up. Write rhymes to get me through a breakup. I think I had like a mini disc player with like I was really into Red Man or I think. And and Daft Punk as well. But it was so different back then. Yeah, I didn't really. I don't think I bought any music. You know, not because I was in Australia, just because I was just doing something different. You know, and nowadays you just go to Spotify and just um, end up going down a hole. You know, but that wasn't possible. We went clubbing. I used to go to like Chinese laundry and stuff like that. Classic. And home as well. Home was a gas. Back when there were venues opened in Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever ruminate that on that when you're flying back into Australia and just think about that time pre-streets when you were here at a youth hostel, kicking about, thinking about what was next for Mike Skinner? Yeah, I used to collect glasses in the blue room. Actually, there was a guy who was like my bar manager, and I remember telling him I was a DJ. And he just absolutely like berated me. And he'd done he'd been sniffing something um, all night and he, he absolutely tore me to pieces, said, You're not a DJ, mate. You're a glass collector. And then um I don't know why I did that in a New Zealand accent. But, <laughs> and and um but yeah, I, I came back. Like literally it was probably only two years later I came back touring with the streets. Let's put on our classics and we'll have a little dance, shall we? No sales pitch, no media hype, no hydro, it's nice and ripe. I speak in communications in bold type. This ain't your archetypal street sound. Scan for ultrasounds, north, south, east, west and all round. And then to the underground. Then and now is the theme that I've given you. Capturing five songs of the music that you know, maybe led you to the streets back in the beginning and, and I guess what you've been excited by in the last few years. Um, we're beginning with a classic, one of my favourite Johnny Cash tunes, in fact. A Boy Named Sue is the first choice you have in your take five. Why did you choose Johnny Cash and, and this song in particular? This is my favourite song. Wow. Uh, of all time. Well, my daddy left home when I was three and he didn't leave much to Ma and me. Just this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. I mean, there's a few different, like, practices that go into my music. Um, Production is something that I'm really into, but uh, words as well. And so I I find myself listening to country for the words uh, and then, like, rap for the production, I guess, uh, and the words as well. But, um, but yeah, I just think this is um, a masterclass. At an old saloon on a street of mud, there at a table, dealing stud, such a dirty mangy dog that named me Sue. Well, I knew that snake was my own sweet dad from a worn-out picture that my mother had had, and I knew that scar on his cheek and his evil eyes. It's written by Shel Silverstein, who was... Um, completely mad and he also wrote children's fiction he, he used to write songs for dr hook yeah so he, he's amazing he's amazing but a lot of a lot of his uh, songs and poems are kind of you know they go in a cycle they sort of come back to the start in some way 
uh, which is which is what I love. This world is rough, and if a man's gonna make it, he's gotta be tough. And I know I wouldn't be there to help you along. So I give you that name, and I said goodbye. I knew you'd have to get tough or die. And it's that name that helped to make you strong. Yeah. He said, now you just fought one hell of a fight And I know you hate me and you got the right to kill me now And I wouldn't blame you if you do But you ought to thank me before I die For the gravel in your guts and the spit in your eye Cause I'm the son of a bitch that named you Sue You know, it's kind of comedy really, isn't it? Um, comedy timing. You know, the way that you roll out the information That's at the sort of heart of all writing and... and Often, I think, actually, uh, it's about slowing everything down. I think people, when they um, tell a story, they tend to try to go faster. And actually, half the time, if you say less and do it slower, it's like, you know, doing a best man speech. <laughs> have you ever done one of those? I have, yeah. My brother got married. I was his best man. Did you roast him? Uh, not really, no. Um me and my brother aren't really like that, really. I think I probably tried to tell a few jokes. No, I, I'm quite scared of my brother, to be honest. Oh, right. Okay. You're the nice one yeah. of the family. I'm definitely not the nice one of the family. <laughs> um, but that doesn't mean I'm not scared of my brother. Six million ways to die. Choose one. This next song is Snoop Dogg, Serial Killer. I was uh, like 13 when Snoop Dogg came out, so uh, that's when you need, you know, your uh, idols to swear and uh, generally um, be abusive. So yeah, th this was this was the joint, you know. This was, you know, when we used to sort of go to house parties, and uh, I'm trying to be, um, you know, breakfast friendly for this. Uh, well, morning's not breakfast. Show. You can be a little bit salty. I'm just all I'm saying is is that you know we were um, we were doing things that um, young teenagers do. <laughs> Leave it at and, that. And this this was the soundtrack. <laughs> The cloud becomes black and the sky becomes blue. Now you in the midst of the dog pound crew. Ain't no clue on why the fuck we do what we do. Leave you in the state of paranoia. Ooh, don't make a move for your gat so soon. Cause I drops bombs like platoon. Walk with me, hold my hand and let me lead you. I take you on the journey and I promise I won't leave you. Until you get the full comprehension. And when you do, that's when the mission. Was American hip-hop something that featured big in, in your teenage years? Like what, the scene in the UK, obviously grime was coming up in the late 90s as well and more kind of into the early noughties, but how big does it, did American hip-hop feature in your life? Oh, it was huge, you know. I mean, we, we've always had British dance music, but kids now only really listen to British rap music. It's weird. Yeah, take time if a man want to try me. No time. You saying but when I run up on stage, I pick up the mic and it's reload time. I mean, it's almost all British music that people listen to now. But um yeah, back then there wasn't much of it about. Went to the show sitting in the front row in the black tracksuit and 
it shut down Touch the road and it shut down Boy, I better know when it shut down Yeah, yeah I said make that mill Empty your pockets so you got zeal Say that you want that, I know that I will Open the till You've also been collaborating yeah, with a fella called Grim Sickers Yeah, I said make that mill Empty your pockets so you got shh Open the Till is a song you feature on. If I gave my heart to you, I'd have none, you'd have two. I started out with nothing, took my pill at the ball. Yeah, I mean, this is just an example of, um, you know, I've been producing, really. I'd been doing that a lot, really, from the beginning, really. And, and um, Getz as well. Getz is probably my favourite grime MC. Uh, he's incredible. I'm the real deal, still got the samurai sword that killed Bill. When Getz recorded his verse for this song, it was the the most incredible uh, like techers that I've ever witnessed. You know, he came in and he didn't write anything down. He just sort of sat there, sort of mumbling to himself. And then went into the booth and did it in one take. And um, in terms of like skill and, and talent, I've not witnessed anything like that in the studio before. Empty your pockets and you got zeal. Say that it won't, but I know that I will. Open the till. This next song is Daniel Beddingfield. Gotta get through this. Tell us about Daniel Beddingfield and why he chose this one. Got to get through this. Uh, I mean, this was uh, like one of the biggest garage records. It was like really sort of pop, but also like so solid. We're like running it and rapping over it and stuff. So it sort of like united a lot of different um, people. I think it's one of the best British pop records um, of recent times. drop this much in your DJ sets? I do, yeah. I mean, I, I DJ a lot. I either do sort of like raves or I do like quite bougie stuff. When it's more like a, you know, school disco, I'll uh, I'll run this. Drop a bit of Daniel Beddingfield. In the shubs. It's such a good way to take the temperature of a, not only a room but a time. Like, do you find that DJing gives you that instant feedback of what is really killing it right now and makes you think about what you're going to create next? Yeah, I mean, DJing is ev literally everything to me. Um, it's hard work. It's, you know, it is work because um, you're on your own and, and you've got to look after yourself. But, um, no, it's completely changed my life. In one single moment, your whole life can turn round. I stand there for a minute staring straight into the ground. Looking to the left slightly, then looking back down. World feels like it's caved in, proper sorry frown. Please let me show you where we could only just be for us. I can change and I can grow or we could adjust. The wicked thing about us is we always have trust. We can even have an open relationship if you must. I look at her, she stares almost straight back at me. But her eyes glaze over like she's looking straight through me. Then her eyes must have closed for what seems an eternity. 
When they open up, she's looking down at her feet. Dry your eyes, mate. I know it's hard to take, but her mind has been made up. As the streets, you know, back in Australia, you're performing to people for, you know, you've soundtracked their life basically. But there's also this new breed of streets fans who have discovered your music in the time since you've last toured Australia. What's it like for you, particularly since you've been back on stage with the streets since last year? Are you kind of looking out and seeing these different generations in front of you in the crowd? Um, Yeah, I mean, I I kind of got used to seeing um, that from DJing, really, because generally people aren't in nightclubs when they're, you know, older than about 25. I don't know. I mean, it's just... It's just people at the end of the day that they're, they're they're all scared of dying and want to you know want to get a drink you know maybe uh, partner up if pos. <laughs> Lyrically though, this the stuff that you're rapping about, you're singing about in your songs has resonated with people. Like they connect to it. You know, does that ever? Do you ever think about that? That so many people have taken on the streets' music as their kind of personal anthems. Yeah, I mean, I get a lot of people um, talking to me about sort of dead parents and stuff, you know, having having had dead parents myself. Um, yeah, I, I get that, you know. It's, it's, it, it never gets normal, really, you know, but you're, um, as much as possible, you're sort of opening your heart up and, you know, and you share something with people in a weird way. But um, in another way, it's kind of not real, really. It's easy to get confused by that when you're young. Um, but it doesn't confuse me. I'm ju- I just know that um, people, you know, whose parents have died tend to um, talk to me in nightclubs when they're on drugs. Wow. That must be some heavy conversations. I mean, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's, it's my normality. But it yeah. sounds as though you're in a much more grounded place right now to be able to take on those conversations. Like you say, you know what's yeah. real and what's not. I mean, it, you know, life is humbling. You know, life is, um, you can't go through life, you know, thinking that you're the centre of the universe. Uh, and I guess that's kind of what's different about me, just because um, I've lived more life than I had ten years ago. I'm really okay, thanks. There's nothing to witness. I said as I look back from the edge of the cliff. The old man looking down, leant over the ridge, just looked with a grin, as if a blessing had hit him. I slumped on the jut of the cliff. Just leave me alone. This is none of your business. I will said the old man, but just one thing. And what he said was so lovely it stunned me. He said I lay right there once at the edge of the rock. I was ready to jump, I was ever so lost But this gentleman stopped and said something I never forgot For billions of years since the outset of time Every single one of your ancestors survived Every single person on your mum and dad's side Successfully looked after and passed on to you life What are the chances of that like? It comes to me once in a while and everywhere I tell folk, it gets the best smile. You have one more tune to share with us. You've taken one of the final cuts from the Alive 2007 album by Daft Punk, which they captured in Paris. 
This is an amazing kind of mega mix. Tell us about why you chose uh, this tune or tunes from Daft Punk. It's the best show I've ever been to. Well, this this and uh, Rage Against the Machine at Rockham Ring was kind of up there. It was like a religious experience scene. I'm so I'm so grateful that I saw this show because so few people saw it and it changed everything really. I challenge you to sort of listen to this and not get emotional in some way. It's an amazing cut, they're an amazing live act. I was lucky to see that 2007 tour and yeah, it changed my life. Then and now is the theme and here we are with Daft Punk and a little cut from their live 2007 record. Hey Mike, thanks so much for taking five today. Thank you for having me. epic closer to Daft Punk's Alive 2007 album with Mike Skinner sharing the music and moments that changed his life. We just scratched the surface in that chat. If you're keen to dig even deeper into the story of the streets, take a listen to the J-Files documentary we just did on him as well. Mike's part of it. He's reflecting back on the past 20 years. Just search in your phone right now in your podcast app, click subscribe and you're good to go. Next time, we're delving into the world of music that gets under your skin with one of the most promising new songwriters around. The prolific Adrian Lenker, frontwoman for Big Thief, solo artist, incredible poet. Adrian is taking five with you. the people you love. Hi, I'm Joan Jett. Hey, this is Nana Cherry. And I'm taking five. Talk about the five songs they love. Hear stories of discovery. And I heard this thing coming out of the speakers. I was like, oh my God, what is that noise? Wow. And the songs that changed how they saw the world. It just affected me deeply. I never knew rap could be that powerful. Join Zan Rowe and Take 5. Life 101 with Kimber and Zan. Pull up a chair. (laughs) Subscribe now.